are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power what's up everybody it is friday which means it is time for shop talk last week we started the well two weeks ago because these drop on a weekly basis but we do two every week so last week i recorded the first two episodes of the girly sessions with josh when kyle was in dc Mm-hmm. This week, Kyle and I are going to double team him. And then next week, I'm on vacation and Kyle and mm. Josh are going to do two sessions without me around, which will be ultra entertaining and probably <laughs> will require me to listen to my own podcast at some point. <laughs> it's funny because I never listen to them. And then like we get in the car to go on a road trip and I start listening, you know, so I, I end up listening to all of them over time. Yeah. But never like I don't like go and immediately listen to it when it drops because we record. I've went back and listened to a few, like especially if we've had somebody on for a second time. I want to remember what we talked about the first time. <laughs> or Ryan uh, Deeds, dude, like the Ryan Deeds Kevin <laughs> yeah, that Ring was wild. episodes. Both mm-hmm. of those, Kevin Ring and Ryan Deeds, were both just ridiculous. Oh, and I did go back and listen to the uh, to to the Garbage Man story one with with Hater. Oh yeah, had that was yeah. a must. Yep. So anyhow, more girly. People want more girly, so we're going to give them more girly. It's I like the girly sessions. That sounds like you know something like some sort of ridiculous movie or. Uh, it actually, where I stole it from was the Zach Brown Band Grohl sessions when they had Dave Grohl come in mm, and work with them. So there you go. I wish I could tell you I was a creative individual, but I did steal that from them. <laughs> so. It is what it is, and truthfully, one of the reasons we're having the girly sessions is because I had a few people that reached out both on LinkedIn and over email and basically just said, why don't you get some producers on and talk to producers again in the shop talk format and do it on a, you know, do, do it like in groups or whatever. Yeah, it's I'm a good like, idea. Makes right, sense, a little, little fresh perspective. The, the people have spoken. You know, yeah. all I can do is give them what they want. Gurley was one of the names they mentioned, so he was first one up. Cool. Sweet. What, so what we're going to talk today. About? Yeah, we're going to talk about wedges, and we might do two episodes on wedges. I don't know. Depends on how okay. I feel, but um, I think we may do one episode on wedges, and then we do one episode on five-tool players, because Gurley came in hot with the definition of five-tool players, so we'll do that one next. Let's talk about... Let's talk about wedges first, though. I mean, I've got three. I've got a 60-degree, 56, oh, 52. Yeah. Well, I've also got the pitching wedge. If you want to throw that in there, that's four. Okay. And unfortunately, you probably use those more than you should. 
I don't know, every Saturday. There you go. Anyhow, from a from a sales standpoint, though, this is something I talk about all the time. Literally was talking about it this morning when I was doing a one-on-one coaching call with a dude in Killing Commercial. And, you know, I think wedges, everybody knows. I mean, look, Randy Schwantz is the godfather of the wedge, right? First book I ever read when I got into the insurance industry. So, you know, you know you've made an impact somewhere when people just simply take the title of your book and that now becomes like standard industry vernacular, right? I mean, when you say the wedge, you got to drive the wedge. They're they're going back and referring to Randy's book. That's why he can charge an exorbitant amount for it and it's worth every penny that you hmm. pay. How much is that the book? Like 65 bucks or 70 really? bucks for a paperback on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good so, for him. Yeah, and he sells them, right? But, you know, I think that, that there's two things I want to talk about. Number one, what what is the wedge, right? In terms of what specifically is the wedge you're going to use? And then number two, how do you frame it, right? Because there's a right and a wrong way to frame the things that we're going to talk about today. So I'll kick it off and give you the example that I used earlier uh, when I was doing my one-on-one call. For those of you not in Killing Commercial, now you're getting a little bit of paid content for free. Don't get used to it. That being said, one of the wedges that I always look for with regard to workers' comp is missing credits, right? Like we were talking, and when Josh gets into some of his stuff, I told him, like, you must be competing against some really highly qualified agents wherever you are competing because it is not that hard in Florida. I'm literally looking for missing credits on a workers' comp policy, and... You know, safety and drug-free, those are low-hanging fruit. Surprisingly, not on the policy a lot. Yeah. But the one that I know is never going to be on there, probably 85 to 90% of the time, is the premium adjustment program, the, the contractor's premium adjustment program for Florida. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, number one, it's a little bit cumbersome in terms of the way you get the information. It's like you need to get the the quarter ending payrolls from the third quarter for the year before the policy went into effect, I think is what it is. If Kevin Rings listened to this, I'm not as smart as you are, man. I can't pull this kind of stuff up off of my head, but I think that's what it is. I think it's the quarter before the policy went into effect. You have to have the third quarter payrolls. Is that right, Josh? Kevin Ring is the is the expert, and I don't do a whole lot of business in Florida, so okay. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. So a lot of agents don't even understand it, or they'll, they'll get the information and they didn't read the form right in the instructions, so it's the wrong information. And as a result, you know, now, now they're going back and forth with NCCI and they just get burnt out. So it's, and the other thing is it's not as big of a credit as it used to be. It, you, I've seen them as high as like 10 plus percent. And now it seems like you're only going to get like maybe like seven one, or one to 5% in no. many cases unless it's a monster account. But it all depends on the function of premium and all of the other stuff in terms of the size of it. But regardless, it's not there. And so it's an easy way to begin to establish yourself as somebody that's an, a, a trusted advisor or expert because you recognize that they're spending money they shouldn't be because this credit's free to them. They should, they should at least apply for it, if nothing else. Now, the question, but that, that, that's the wedge. You know, look for the credits on the policies. Look at safety, drug-free, if you have a contractor credit in your state, look there too. Now, I, there's two things I could do. Here's the wrong way. Holy crap, man, your agent left the contractor's credit off your policy. I can't believe that. 
probably not the best way to frame the wedge, right? But I've been in rooms where I've heard people approach it that way. You got. I think it depends on who you're talking to a little bit on that. Well, but the thing is, you there's a way though to be more polished in how you do it. So, how I would bring that same thing up is. Out of curiosity, I noticed that the contractor's credit's missing from your workers' comp policy. When you and your agent sat down to do the paperwork to apply for that, did you just determine that it was too cumbersome and wasn't worth the time? I assume that there's a conscious reason that the credit was left off, but I want to make sure that I understand what that is in case it's an accident. Not anywhere near as in your face as, holy crap, your agent left the left it off your policy. So think about that. And I mean, that's one of the things I want to make sure that we cover is we bring up these different wedges that we can use at the point of sale. I also want to talk about how you sort of soften that delivery by framing it the right way. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think to your point about workers comp, I mean, for everybody that's listening, that's not in Florida, um, because as, as you've well documented, Florida has, the, you know, the non-competitive rates and, and, and the carriers have state mandated rates. But for a lot of the other states like Georgia, where I'm at, if I'm thinking about workers comp, the first couple things that are going to pop into my head. And if you're in an NCCI state, um, I hope these things pop into your head. But I'm always thinking about things like net reporting uh, of claims versus gross reporting of claims. I'm always thinking about, hey, what's the max deductible that you can take per, per the state and those claims still not be held against you when it comes to uh, your experience mod factor. You know, in the state of Georgia, it's, it's $2,500. Um, for example, state of Oklahoma, it's $1,000. Uh, you know, state of Tennessee is a, is a gross reporting state, so you can have a deductible, but those claims still hit your mod at 100%. And so for me, it's all about formulating a plan around the rules that are available. So... I mean, you have a lot of states that have the experience rating adjustment, which is the 70% reduction for medical-only claims on the, on the actual primary. And so there's a, lot, there's a ton of stuff out there. Dude, you, know, you just gave like five wedges in that just one little snippet. Well, well, well I just, Right? I mean, no, yeah. I mean, I'm being serious. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it is. And I mean, and I haven't even gotten to the part about you should know what every carrier is filed for in your state. I mean, so, so let's just have an example. Let's just say you're working with a carrier or with, with somebody that has a good mod. Let's say you're going in with a Hey, good hold on, hold on for one second before you don't go down this road. Cause I know where you're headed with it. Yeah. Before you do that for the sake of everybody listening that may not know what a net reporting versus gross reporting looks like. Talk about what a net reporting, you know, what the difference is between a net reporting state and a gross reporting state. Sure. So, so net reporting means that if you take a deductible on your workers' comp, that the portion of the claim that's under that deductible does not get reported to NCCI, and therefore it does not hurt your experience mod. And different states have different thresholds for that. So, for example, in Georgia, where I'm at, is $2,500. You could take uh, a small deductible program, I think, goes up to five or ten thousand in Georgia. You could take a ten thousand dollar per claim deductible, even if you're on a medium program, twenty five thousand or something like that. Only the first twenty five hundred of any claim is is not going to count against you. 
So that's why with all of our clients, whether it's big, small, whatever, we recommend having uh, a $2,500 deductible, especially if there's a frequency issue. So there are other states, for example, like uh, Tennessee. What is gross reporting too? So you'll have a gross reporting state, and that means that you can have a deductible. That's fine if you want to do that. But the only thing it's really helping you on is the loss ratio for your, uh, you know, you know, for the policy. It's not really helping you on the mod because a hundred percent of that number is is hitting that experience mod. And then there are other states where you have to actually select the program. I believe Missouri is a state where you have to you have to select the program. Um, you know, I'm not Kevin Ring by any stretch of the imagination who you mentioned. But just in the states that we operate in, I, you know, I try to learn those rules. And if you're working on an account that has a frequency issue and maybe they're having a lot of, you know, I claims and $200 here and $200 there, and we can have a conversation about PPE at a later date. But just from a actual workers compensation mod standpoint, those claims are hurting, hurting their mod. Because those primary losses that you see on the experience mod form, those are the ones that, that are going to hurt you the most. And so having that deductible is going to take those off of your uh, experience mod. And then you can, you can run reports with some of the different mod softwares that are out there. I won't go into any detail on the names of those, but you can run reports. And There's only one that matters to me, and that's Mod Advisor. I'm just going to throw that out there. Mod Advisor with Mr. Todd Tams. Who is a great dude and a sharp work comp guy, by the way. We only um, hang out with sharp work comp guys, Josh. I mean, on this show, <laughs> I don't know if you figured it out or not, but you have to be pretty sharp on workers comp. And I did want to let everybody know that Kevin Ring told me he would pay me $5 for every time I, n- I mentioned his name <laughs> on a podcast episode. So I think we're somewhere at around $55 that he owes and, me so far. Well, and, and Stephen, Stephen Sedlak told me that every time I mentioned his book, the work comp uh, effect or the comp control effect, I was going to get a commission as well. So if, yeah. if Steven's there, there you go. Um, but so I, I don't really remember where I left off, but the, the point of it is, is just that you can run a report. You can see what your mod would have been had those deductibles been applied. And a lot of times if you're in a frequency situation, it can make a significant impact on somebody's, somebody's premium. So how do you package that, man? Like how do you bring that up when you're talking to the client? Because, I do agree. You know, I think everybody that is going to delve into talking about experience mods needs to do so um, using software. I mean, there's, there's, I've got friends. I could still use a pen and paper and calculate the mod. Great. Can you also construct all of the reports that come from? Yeah, it's the visual. It's the visual aspect that you're able to provide. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a bragging contest about who's better at math. I'll give you that one right out of the box. You're probably way better at math than I am, but you know, I want to have something that I can take that relatively complicated calculation from the perception of a prospect and get it in front of them in such a way that it makes sense to them, right? And you have to do that using, I hate to say it, like bright colors and big pictures, right? I mean, look, there's a reason why in the med device and pharma industry that you have to write informed consent documents to a sixth grade reading level, okay? You should be thinking about that. And I'm not, this is not me being smart. I'm being dead serious. When you're talking to your prospect and your clients to some degree, 
you need to communicate as if you're talking at a sixth grade level. That takes a little bit of practice to be able to dial that down without being offensive in your approach. So I tell you that because um, I think everybody should have the software. I think everybody should have run that deductible analysis because it's really easy. You just put in the different levels of deductibles you want to look at, and it's going to tell you the difference in the mod on each of those levels. But I'm interested, Josh, when you're there and you're sitting with the prospect, how do you, how do you frame it in such a way that you're, you're smoother than just, oh, I can't believe you don't have this? <laughs> oh, you know, that's how I operate, Dave. I just, I just come out and tell them. <laughs> yeah, I know better. I'm kidding. So I, mean, I think for me, it's just more about helping people come to their own conclusions, right? I mean, if, if you're doing your job, it's kind of like getting married. And once you ask somebody to get married to you, um, you should already know the answer before you're going to ask. And so the way that I like to frame it is just when I see that and I know it and I've already run it through the software and I'm going to ask the question, I just frame it something to the effect of, so one of the things that we work uh, with our clients on is to help people get to their, their lowest possible experience mod. And there's some different ways that that can be done. And I'm curious, what ways is your, your current representation using to help you get to that lowest possible number? And typically the response is, what is my lowest possible mod? Mm-hmm. And because people, they don't, they don't know how to do it. And all you have to do on the mod worksheet is divide out two numbers. Uh, and it's going to tell you what that lowest possible mod is. So right there, you're already showing them that they don't, you know, that they don't know that that hasn't been discussed before. So you're leading them down that path to, to realize it on their own. Yeah. I take, I, my approach is just a hair different. I would typically say something like when you sat down with your agent to talk about your lowest possible mod and how far the gap is between where you are and where that is, what were the action steps that you came up with to move in the right direction? Something like that. I mean, just different wording, same message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exa- exactly. And and when they ask that question about what's my lowest possible mod, um, you know, depending on the situation, if it's going really good and I, I, I feel like I may have an opportunity to ask for a BOR right on the spot, I may say, hey, look, take this number and divide it by this number. And then and then we can go have that conversation about have has your current representation ever had a conversation with you about how much the claims are costing you? And they're like, well, I have no idea how much these, these, these claims are, are costing me. And I think that just opens up the opportunity to, to have a finance discussion and just say, look, workers' comp is nothing but a finance arrangement where you're paying money in, insurance companies are paying money out, the mod is a part of that, and, our, and what our goal is to, help, is to help get you out of the game of swapping dollars with insurance companies. And, and, and I think when you take that approach, Number one, you're not really throwing the person, the competitor under the bus because that's just not something that, that I do. I mean, quite frequently people try to throw me under the bus when, when I come with, with recommendations like this. And, uh, you know, I, I just try to always take the high road in those situations. Um, you know, and then two, it starts becoming abundantly clear to them that they're going to need to make, make a change. And I tell people that up front. I'm like, this is not about giving the insurance quote. This is not about uh, you know anything other than trying to make it abundantly clear 
that you need to fire, as we talked about in our one of the episodes before, that you need to fire your current representation and you need to hire us. And uh, and so I think it just leads them down that path in, in kind of a, a way that they can come to their own conclusion. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing is making sure they're coming to their own conclusion. Now, sometimes, to Kyle's point, you might be dealing with somebody who can't come to their own conclusion and you need to be a little bit more direct. Thankfully, those are those those times are few and far between for me. I agree. Hi, yeah. Kyle. You're up with the wedge game. Yeah, one of the ones that we use, you know, quite a bit in line with the workers' comp is the return to work program. I mean, everybody always thinks that they have one, but we start discussing return to work, and most of the time, that's not the case. I can recall a number of appointments that you and I have been on where we've run into that same situation and it's brought up much like you just brought this last example up, you know, so when you sat down with your, with your agent, you know, reviewing your policy and, um, you know, for, for the renewal, what, um, in, in terms of the return to work policy or return to work program, um, what, what did you guys come up with there? What's that look like? What's the formalized process? And, and most of the time they, they don't have, anything formalized it's always oh well yeah we, we we've got that in place and then you yeah, start asking if about I walk the, in yeah <laughs> if one of us walks in and says um you have a return to work program 100 percent of the time the answer is yes they, I they, mean, they always say, say yes that, get you to move on to the next question they, I mean, they, most of the time they, they, they don't, don't even know, know what it is. is right exactly so you know so then you, typically the, the next follow-up question is oh, okay so then you've got the the letter that goes out to the physician stating that you guys are returned to work uh, you know, employer and, and that your goal is to get them back as soon as they're healthy enough to get back. Right. And then that starts creating a little bit of like, well, I, we don't, we don't necessarily have that. And then it, it just leads you down a path of much like Josh was just talking about realiz- realization on their own, that they may not have this as buttoned up as they think. Well, here's the thing, man. I don't ever ask a question that I don't have the solution to. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's net reporting, then I have the ability to place them with a carrier that's going to offer them a small deductible and fix that issue. If I'm going to talk to them about return to work, it's because I have the ability to give them a return to work program and train them on everything from soup to nuts to get that put in. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things. It's why I'm such a huge fan of making sure you're preparing your questions ahead of time. I can't tell you how many producers I know that literally, and by the way, people, this goes back to when you're hanging your hat on selling an insurance product as opposed to going in and demonstrating value and uncovering operational issues. You don't have the flexibility that we have. We are able to go into these accounts and drive change because we're not focusing on the insurance and the renewal, period. Nobody, None of us, other than the, the net reporting piece being a mechanism that's tied to an insurance product, None of us have talked about an insurance issue, right? It's a credit here. It's, you know, it, it's this, that, or the other, but it's not ever coverage. And I, I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make. They want to go in and they want to point out a bunch of coverage deficiencies. And they want someone who's had a long-term relationship with somebody that in their mind they trust to make a buying decision to leave and fire that person based off of what somebody said to them one time that they met. And that's not how it works. You have to have a much more powerful argument than that. That's why you have to plan your questions out before you go in. That's why you need to identify, here's where I think that there may be a wedge. 
But guess what? You may ask the question, get a picture perfect answer, and you were wrong. You mm-hmm. may need to know how to gracefully move away from that too. So, I, I you know I think that when you're going in and you're dropping these bombs on people, having them framed as one, but you're only dropping those bombs that you can solve. And we certainly can't solve every single issue internally. That's why we have tools like KPA and Think HR, or excuse me, the formerly known as Think HR Mineral. now Mineral. You know all of that that we can go in and drop them on. So if you don't have return to work, great. We've got that. Here you go. You know, and so I'm asking my questions around the things that I know. So when I'm driving a wedge, I'm asking the questions around the things that I know I can deliver in my value proposition that my competition simply isn't going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, talking about return to work, great. That's an easy one because we have that prepackaged, built out and ready to go. It's done. How about this? T- talk to me a little bit about your, I-, I noticed that your workers comp claims are up based on the loss runs. And some of this stuff seems very um, rudimentary to me in terms of, you know, how, how easy it would be to fix. Talk to me a little bit about two things. Number one, I'm interested in your hiring process and what you do to screen people coming in. Do you have them do a uh, routine fit for duty physical as part of the job offer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or you can go down the road of, you know, what kind of, talk to me a little bit about your training. Talk to me about your manual material handling training. You have a lot of back injuries from lifting. Do you have a team lift policy? Have you taught your people proper lifting techniques? Is that documented somewhere? You know, were they quizzed to make sure that they understood it? I mean, you can just keep drilling, drilling, drilling. Again, has nothing to do with insurance, but when they, when, when they, when you finally beat them into submission and they don't know, you know, the answer is you can say, "Hey, listen, I, you know, not a problem. This is what we do. We have this. That's why I was asking the question because this is an easy fix. This is something we could do almost immediately for you." Mm-hmm. And I think if you if your end game is to solve the problem, you frame your question around creating around what that problem is. Period. Then you automatically have a chance to talk about the solution. Yep. We've been going twenty five minutes, man. We got to wrap this one up. We could go for a whole other episode on wedges. I think Gurley was just starting to get warmed up, and he didn't even get to throw out mm-hmm. margin clause. So maybe <laughs> what we'll do is we'll defer five to a player till next week, and you two can talk about that. And we'll just do episode two of the wedges next. So we're to wrap this one up to keep it under. Uh, under time and we will see everybody next week have a great weekend you've been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes